this week has been a really crazy week of adversary for me on this. And I was talking to Matt about this today and I'm like, I just, I have all this stuff rolling around in my head. And when I talk one-on-one with people, I can just talk around in circles until we both get there. But it's harder when you're up here. And Matt said, that's how he feels most of the time. That he's, a lot of the time you don't feel ready and that's because you've surrendered to God and he has something. So that's a warning <laughs> for lack of consistency or whatever it is. But ever since I was young, I've had real issues with, well, many issues, but issues with claiming what I believe is mine. And I, have, and I just get stuck up on this. And I, when I was 12, I've never lived this down. I burst into tears because one of my brothers ate my ice cream. And I thought that was because I was pig and that I just love eating ice cream. But what I've started to work out is that it's actually because it was mine. And I didn't actually care about the ice cream as much as it was good. I care more about the fact that it was mine and the principle in it that someone took something that was mine. And I haven't really ever understood that, but it ends up with me picking fights all the time. And I'm starting to understand more of my calling in God. Uh, demon hunting or anything like that, but it's to pick fights with whoever or whatever is claiming things in people that's not actually theirs. So when people have lies or things on their heart that's not of God and it's something else is claiming that that you can clearly see is that person's, it's really hard for me. And often I come across too strong and I'm trying to work that out, but I can see sometimes on people or things that's going on and I just can't get past it. So today's picking a fight. And with this, what part of God do you believe in? I had to work out whether I say, what part of God do you know or what part of God do you believe in? But then I realized Satan knows God completely and he knows God entirely, but he doesn't believe in God. Well, he believes God entirely, but not in him. And I know a lot of us might know God entirely, but not believe in him. And I know for myself that the God I know of, I don't always completely believe in. And that changes things. So I believe that when we only believe in part of God or the parts that we we have in stone and that we understand, I believe that the rest of it is open for being warped. So when we only have the bits that make sense to us or the bits that sit uh, are comfortable in us, that's all good. And these are good things. But then there's the other things that we haven't rested in God. And what happens to those things? And I believe that, and this is the picking of a fight because I believe that a lot of the time they're captive. They're not just resting there. Those things have been taken. And we put our beliefs in other things and then we have to work out how to claim those things back. And it's the truth. The truth sets us free. So this isn't the the Trinity. This is just a bit of my mind map of what I see some people or what I see people worshipping different aspects of God, I should say. So I see some people who they see a father and they love that father, and these, these, this is not complete. This is just what I could get out, so you guys can add or take away. This is just my mind. So, But a father that um, loves, provides, guides, protects, the wise counsel, and he's omnipotent. And omnip- omnipotent. Omnipotent? Is that how you say it? Someone help me. <laughs> and then a friend, and then a judge. And I think sometimes what we have happening is some people believe in just a friend. And then they miss out on the guiding, on the protection, on the counsel. And these are all good things. But unfortunately, I think that some people get stuck on just one. 
and they miss out on the rest of God. And even the judge, and you see this heavily, I think, is the judge. People get stuck on just the judge when he is a judge, but he's, a, he's a, actually a judge that's a father and a friend. So it's very different. You wouldn't be worried about going to a courtroom if it was your dad and he was also your best friend. You would definitely feel like you have a leg up, like we do. But a lot of the time we walk in and go, I'm getting judged. And, and people, you think, all right, from there you go, okay, yeah, believe in everything as God, cool. But the problem is the longer we go on just having one part of this, the rest gets blurred. And I really believe that people who are coming to, find, coming to church, coming to God to find a father, I think the enemy's trick is he doesn't show the father. It's very hard to smudge God out completely. It's, it just is in the world. He is there and people can feel it. But you can lie about him. And that's what I believe Satan really does. Because people come and go, I, I need a friend. And they find a judge. Because other people only follow the judge. So when they're coming to look for a friend, they go, well, you need to clear this up in your life and this up in your life and this stuff. And on them, maybe they just believe in just the judge. When if they speak to someone who's full of all three and is wholesome and understands God completely, they find a friend. But sometimes they only find a judge and that doesn't do us any good because they don't understand that the judge is also your father and he's also your friend. And it's scary. It's terrifying. If someone just told you about judgment or any of the guys that come from Fiji and spoke about the power of God, you'd just be terrified. But then no one tells you that he's your best friend and he's your father. Of course, you're going to go astray. It's just too hard. It's too scary. So, and I think it goes on in, in all three. If you get just one and you might have just parts, um, I think that the enemy will jump on any part of God that we don't have in the right way. Because that, and, and that this is the fight I'm picking, that maybe, and you have to search your own hearts, I know for myself, I am starting to understand all the different parts of God, but I don't believe we all have it. I don't believe we all walk knowing that he guides me, that he comforts me, and then he refines me. And the refining one's a big one. Um, a wise person once told me about the Jews and how the, the, the Jewish people see Satan as like a refiner, that God almost holds him, and allows him to, to um, critique you. And not that he's shaping you to be a little devil, but that the things that are wrong in our lives, well, when he's there, you know things are going wrong. And, that, and there's, all, there's lots of concepts in it, but we have to see all of them. And we have to see all the O's at the bottom. I'm not going to pronounce them all. Um, don't get stuck on just one. And our... Our mission is to understand that he is all of them. And that's all I could find. That's the best friendship one I could find. Because, um, you know, dogs, God, backwards, and we're a little bit hairy. So, um, <laughs> so that, that hammer or gavel thing looks very intimidating, but with the others, it's not. If it was the dog hammering and catching you, it'd be very different. Try and piece them together. Um, and it's amazing. The whole of God is amazing. So, yeah, don't take away from the things that you already follow. The bits that he's a judge, that's good. That good things. Don't get, don't get stuck in just one. Don't try and find the others and forget the other ones because that's also a trick. So don't go too far. Understand the whole of God. And I can't give that to you because I don't know it all completely. I'm still learning and I'm still trying to walk in that. 
So, but search for that because there's more out there. Um, so, if we serve with just out of this, is just an example. If we serve just out of fear and obedience, but without love, we've missed the point. Then we become strange, and I've got some examples of what that looks like. You might disagree, um, but what's the point? Um, it's just fear of the judge without love of the friend. It means nothing. You're just scared. We're just scared all the time. Prosperity without joy, it may as well be nothing. What's the point of God blessing you if you're not joyful? So wholeness and satisfaction doesn't come from great, great books or motivational speakers with a plan from the cosmos. It comes from knowing and believing in your entire Father, not just the parts that suit us. So he is really good and he is loving, but he is a refiner and he pushes us and he and he is he's ferocious and they're all it's all him not just the the cuddly bits there's the other tough bits and in him we find our identity our friendship our father mother wise counsel teacher provider protector and savior only in him only in him and they're all different pieces but it's still him so Jonah is my, um, what I believe God has shown me for an example of this. Because I think Jonah gets overlooked a lot. And there's a lot of really good concepts in the book of Jonah. Because we all know he got eaten by, eaten by a huge fish, Leviathan thing. And he got vomited up and he saved some people. That's what we basically, well, I know a lot of people must know a lot more than me. But that's what I knew of Jonah. Um, but Jonah displays some very interesting um, attributes of a man that is toying, toying with the, the differences of God and, and the different parts of God. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of, um, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because the wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for port after praying, uh, paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee the Lord, pray from the Lord, flee from the Lord. I should have read some of this before I put it on there. He answered. So this is just skipping along a bit. He answered. Uh, this is when he's talking and the storm comes up. I didn't want to read the whole thing; it's a bit too long. But when the storm comes up and God is refining him, God's saying to him, "You've done the wrong thing, and I'm coming after you." He didn't just let him go and just choose someone else. He came after Jonah. He pursued him. He answered to the sailors who said, what, what is going on? And these would be well-weathered sailors. So they would have been, it would have been much like the storm that the guys from Fiji were in. It would have been mental. He answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. He knows God. He knows God. He isn't just, oh, I've been given this word, I'm going to run away. He, he knows God. Especially if he knew that they were talking about him. And that the reason this is happening is because of him. So after they threw him in and the fish ate him and he sat in there and felt sorry for himself and stank for three days, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going, by going a day's journey into the city proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on the sackcloth. So 
I myself didn't know anything about Nineveh, aside from the fact that it was the center of Babylon. And most of you know Babylon was the epitome of evil back then. It was the devil's city. And Nineveh was the worship place of the god Astarte or Ishtar. So that is basically Satan in a, in a nutshell. There's a lot, of, a lot of stuff behind that. But that was the, that was the, like the center point of, of Satan worship. It was an evil, evil place. So most would be, it would be like being told to go and stand on the corner where everyone can hear you because they would have known because they were, um, he was an Israelite or he was from Israel and that directly opposite they would have known from the moment they saw him that he was not from here and the way he spoke. And they were an evil and adulterous, is that what I'm trying to say? Murderous. They were very, it was a bad place. And back then, in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, we weren't, um, we weren't judged by God by how much we loved others. It was by how much we hated sin. And, and, and the Israelites hated sin and the sin that was on the people. That's how you have the Good Samaritan, where they're so different. And it, made no, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. But in the Old Covenant, it wasn't about how great we are because we can love everyone and, and, and extend in the kingdom of God. It was actually you should just hate sin and, and you're against the people with sin. And that's why God and the Israelites slayed so many people. It was, a, it was a messy time. So he was told to go there and preach love to them. That's not going to be easy to do. So that's just some background from there. So I would have thought at first that he was scared. But it goes on to say, um, after he did it and they all turned and they all came back to God and God spared them. And, and this is the crux of it. But Jonah said, this seemed very wrong. Oh, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord? When I was still at home, that, that it is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger abounding in, and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. So he wasn't scared. Well, that wasn't what drove him away. He hated them. He didn't want to go there and give them this message of hope and save 120,000 people, it says. He didn't want to do it because in his culture, you are meant to hate them and we are against them. So he ran because he knew that part of God. He knew mercy. So he knew, oh, how far back? He probably knew the father and he wasn't thinking about the judge. He probably knew a friend. He wasn't thinking about the judge. Who was he to run away? Did he think that God was going to come after him? He probably thought he was going to get away. And remember, this is a man that knows God, knows him well. So for him to think he's going to get away, he must have missed a whole part or forgot about a whole part of God that was going to pursue him, that was going to come after him. And in the end, oh, not there, it refined him. It changed him, and it, wasn't, it still wasn't easy after that. There was still more going on. We don't hear much more about Jonah. But he only went in thinking, well, I, I actually have some control here. I know this part of God and this part of God, and that's it. I can probably run away on that because he probably won't kill me. I'm, his, I'm one of his people. He won't come after me. I'm one of his people. He'll send someone else. But what happened is God did come after him, and he, he made him go back via a fish. And vomit. So um, 
I'm going extremely fast again. Um, this sort of came to me um, in my life. I was because I think it comes up very sneakily. This this concept of taking little parts away from God. I don't think the enemy comes out in one shot and says God is actually. Um, I'm trying to have a good example here. God is actually an, a donkey, and you will all look like donkeys. He, nothing, nothing is that um, obvious with the enemy, and that's what I'm starting to understand. Is it's the little degrading of God slowly that starts to rob us, and it's the little fears, the little things that are slowly taken away that start to replace with other things. It's never that obvious. So. I was trying to work out in my life um, what this looked like. And I had a friend who's a good friend of mine. He's a work friend. And he uh, he's completely non-Christian. He was a Christian, so he's one of, he knows a lot, and it's probably not helpful for him. Um, but he's about to buy a house with his uh, girlfriend. And he, he's, got, he's read all these books about uh, money and positive thinking and all those sort of things. The things that can be stumbling blocks for us. Um, and he spoke to me because he loves me and he wants to share with me the great things he's heard and found. And he's spoken to um, this guy that's been helping their business out. And um, he was talking about the ways to buy houses and the interesting things you can do. And like uh, paying off a $500,000 house in 10 years with a $50,000 deposit. Pretty amazing. Um, and you live off credit cards and you... Spend all your money. I'm not saying this is wrong. This is just for me. Yeah, I'm not. There's a lot of people with houses here. Um, <laughs> but you live off credit cards, and you pour all your money into your um, off the loan, and it takes away the principal. Ask Ben; he'll sort it out for you. Um, <laughs> but and then you live off the credit cards, and and he said, so the thing that you have to be careful of is you got to be super disciplined. And I'm like, well, I'm out. <laughs> I am out. Uh, you have to rule me out because oh, it goes because if you're not, you go backwards. I'm like, well, I'll go backwards, hundred percent. Said no more money on your stupid four wheel drive, no more shouting friends. Um, you know, ease down on the charity stuff because you know you think that you're giving heaps to charity, but you're not. You're only giving you fifty dollars because you can afford that. But if you do this for ten years, you can give a hundred thousand dollars. You borrow against your house if you want. Put people in the houses that you get. You can be a housing juggernaut and then give to God. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, hmm. Yeah, no charity, no shouting. All drive. Mm. Uh, yeah, maybe. And I'm, I'm thinking about it and I'm talking with Soph and I'm struggling with the idea. And I couldn't work. When he was speaking to me, it was in here where something was going on. I'm like, this just feels funny. Um, and not that being smart with money is funny. I wouldn't know about being smart with money. But um, <laughs> but what was... What felt funny was that it was that no charity and, you know, your time has to, you know, work hard, pour the money in. And then it hit me all of a sudden and I saw the enemy hiding behind it was, God doesn't need money. He doesn't need my time. I need to give my time and I need to give my money because that's good for me. God doesn't need that. He can do whatever he wants to do. He can make whatever money he needs to make. Money is nothing. Time to him is nothing. So what happened to me was I started losing my bearing and concept of the God I believe in. I started to take hold of um, my finance. I was saying, oh, look, God, just 
you want to, you want me to tithe? I'll stop tithing, God. I'll stop giving to charity. I'll stop doing this. And just give me 10 years and I'll give it all back. Tenfold. You watch. That was not on the plan. Not at all. He doesn't need the money. Catalyst needs God, not the actual money itself. And the giving helps us. That's the, the richness comes from giving because it helps our soul. It helps who we are. And, and the time, even more so. The hard work, even more so. He was reading about, you know, make the money work for you. The Australian attitude is to work hard. It's not about that. And I'm thinking, it is about that. Life's hard. Sometimes you have to do hard things. And God's here to carry you through that. But it's hard. Jesus did not have an easy trot. Not at all. So he, he wasn't, he didn't, he didn't spend 30 years getting his housing empire together and goes, righto, now we will travel in luxury because I have cash. <laughs> I got some cash, God, just hold up. They've been in the old covenant for X amount of thousand years. They can wait 10 more years till I get loaded. It wasn't like that. He just did it. And this is what I'm starting to understand is that it, it sneaks in. And the part of my mind that I started to give away to seeing that God wasn't my provider and he wasn't planning, I started taking over that. And then I realized before it happened to me and, and we, Soph and I talked again, I'm like, this is crap. Last, uh, not good. <laughs> um, sorry. All right, I did that last time. This is not good. And um, I was losing part of what I I used to have, and that's why it felt funny for me. That was what was happening. I was mourning I was something I was giving away. I was starting to lose something. I had to pull back and understand that you've got to stand for what we know, stand for what we believe. And if God says to you, you do that, that's fine. Great, do that. But he wasn't saying that to me. He was saying something completely different because a lot of me is loving people when they go, oh, and they're fumbling for them. Don't, left your, don't let your left hand know from your right hand. But an example is when someone is fumbling or struggling with money, it is, I love to give because it makes me, I feel better with God. I feel like I'm making my father proud. Or I could say, just hold up, I'll give him $10,000 in 10 years' time. Uh, it could be dead. They could be in another country. It means nothing. So I, that was me. I had to, and luckily, the three Gs that Mark talks about, the gold, was, I was strong enough in that. That's not an issue for me. But we have to be careful which part, of the, which part of God is the enemy trying to shade off or trying to warp a little bit. Because examples of this, um, and this is, you all know these, um, is the Westboro Baptist Church. As a, they're the picketing Christians. It gives all a very bad name. They're a perfect example of people who just know the judge. Now, they know the judge very well. They do. They know, they probably know the Bible better than a lot of us because they're very like Pharisees. They're incredibly evil, I'm going to say. It's very incredibly evil what they do because they only know one part of God. Now, they still know God. So you'd say, oh, but they've got some part with God, aren't they? Sort of, you know. But the reality is their whole world has been turned around because they've given away part of them part of their belief to something else and it's it's degraded the rest of what they know and then the judge starts judging other people differently they start becoming their own gods in a lot of ways and it, it's very it's scary what happens when we give away a part of something that alters our whole world and it does 
If I had gone with that, it would have altered my whole world. I would have changed everything I do. So you think, oh, it's only a little thing, but it would have changed everything. Everything, and it's only one little thing. I was just trying to be smart, wasn't I? But I didn't, I didn't even ask God what he was thinking or what he wants to do. Um, other examples of the Mormonism, polygamy, all that sort of weird stuff. Where does this come from? The KKK. Like, where on earth do these people get these ideas that this is what God wants? Well, they get these ideas because Satan gets in and switches what they believe God is for him. And he starts saying whatever he wants and they worship it without knowing it. So we have to be very careful. We can start not just losing our bearing of God, we actually start worshipping what jumps in that place. Because we have to do, nothing, when we have space, something will fill it every time. Every time. There is so much competition for our minds and our lives. It's not just you just, you're missing out. You're going to get heavy and it's going to get harder. And the longer we don't know the whole of God, we're missing out. And, it, and it's really hard. Um, and I couldn't, I can't sell this enough to you with enough information. It, you have to search for yourselves more of who God is because he's just so big. But it's his promises. It's the things that I was going to start writing things down of it, but there's just too many. There's just too many in the Bible of who he is and what he does and what he's promised. So it just it just strikes me. It just make I just don't understand how people don't get it. Uh, and I'm not talking about you. But I'm talking about these cults and sects that end up so warped. It's it's written there. It's already there. And somehow they've ignored it. It's almost like they can't see anymore. Like their eyes don't work. Does anyone remember this robot? I'm really upset. I thought everyone would know this. It's like my whole childhood. So it is dangerous. Um, I thought that robot was going to get that across to you, but it hasn't, so. (laughs) Um, It's dangerous. It's really, really dangerous. And when we we give away parts of ourselves, they will get, um, they'll get taken. So we don't just get lost in space. Something will fill that place. (laughs) Well, that was good. Sophie helped me with that. Um, I don't have any kids. I don't, that, that's like a dad joke, but I don't have any kids. So, um, but it, it's, we, if we get lost and we lose our bearing of God, something will fill it. My God started to be uh, money. It's, well, it, it, the idea was there. I never let it take hold, but there was an idea there that my God could be money. And you have to look into your hearts. What is your God? It could be health. It could be your work. It could be anything where you go, Oh, God, you won't look after my health. You won't look after my finances. I'll have to do it myself. And before you know it, you're worshipping an idea that's from Satan. It's not, we innately, we want to love God. And the things that get put in our head, they're not yours. Don't claim them as yours. They're actually not from us. So you have to rebuke those things and understand that we want to love God. It's in us. But evil chases us all the time. And the moment we give that away, it's coming. Danger. Danger, War Robinson. So we have to be um, cautious. And I have gone through everything except that um, this is what I believe it looks like. A person with a furious love for the people of this earth, no matter what they come in, what form they come in, with no fear of demons and evil that stand and try to take claim or lay claim over our land, never worrying about what we eat and wear, 
walking in complete faith and confidence in the promises of who our God is. Now, there's a heap in that. But I know that when I read that, I don't have a furious love for people all the time. But if I understand my Father and know who he is, I will gain that furious love. I will get that. And that's, that's starting to happen for me. Um, and I know each and every single one of you might struggle with different things. And never worry what we're going to eat and wear encompasses a lot of things. It's not just what we're eating and wearing, but it, it can be everything. Where your kids are going to go to school, where you're going to live, all these things are, are in God's hands. That's all we have to understand, that it's already claimed. But we have to understand that sometimes something might already be claiming it. And we have to claim it back. And that's the fight you have to pick. That it's not always just empty space. I've got this new part of God. Great, this is good. Sometimes there's things there already lying to you, inhabiting that part of you. So if we take hold of this, if this is what, if we had, all of us had this in, in this church, what would the church look like? What would this bride look like? Now, I'm not saying we're ages from that. I'm just saying that if we aim for this, never fearing evil or demons, never worrying about what we're going to eat, where, where we're going to walk, having complete faith and confidence in the promises. So complete faith and confidence in the promises of our God and who our God is. I can't stress the point any more than that. If we follow that, that's it. You, you get it. It's going to happen and everything's going to change. And the things that are heavy and hard and not working out are going to fall off. And sometimes we'll start seeing the things that we thought were actually um, the enemy is actually God refining us. Sometimes it's meant to be tough. Um, sometimes that is the most beautiful way we're going we're gonna to end up when it's hard and it's tough. And I believe that this week for me was about that. Um, I just couldn't put a thought together. I just couldn't do it. And I'm starting to understand now that I know why. I know exactly why. Because it's fighting for my space in my head. And uh, we have a lot of people in this church that have amazing ability. They're already working in their gifts. And one of them is um, Mark and Cheryl's daughter, Mel. And she is, is walking in uh, a very prophetic gift of intercession. And she hears things. And she had one for Catalyst today. I'm shattered she's not in here, but it was that um, when she was driving, she felt like God was saying to her, well, she knew God was saying to her that it's like we come up to roadblocks, huge concrete walls, and there's the toll booths and just cars lined up, and you don't know how to get through. And people are jumping out the cars and they're climbing over the, the concrete walls. And at first I was a little bit confused, and then I realized, or then she went on to say that God has the keys to that toll booth. And everyone's lining up or trying to climb and falling off when God has the keys to that. And God didn't put those concrete barriers there or the toll booths there. They're not from God. That's the point. That's the enemy putting things in our way over and over again. And for 2016, Mel was saying that God has the keys to those things. So the thing that's in your life, finance, health, whatever it might be, family issues, God has the keys to those gates. There's no more climbing over. You're never going to get over because they're not from God, but he has the keys through that. And that's that claiming back. This meant to be an open road with God. It's not always easy, but it's, it's never blocked. It's never, ever blocked unless we allow it to be blocked. So the keys are there. And that's, that was for Catalyst today. 
And you have to put that into your own life. What, what toll booth am I up against? What concrete wall am I trying to climb? Because maybe you're, you're get looking at it with the wrong part of God and there's another part saying, hey, there's this or there's that and you completely missed it. Give away your finances, not your money altogether, but give away that, surrender that, and then you'll understand. And hopefully I'll understand more. So, um, yeah, that's it. I might just pray. And if there's anyone that has uh, anything that they need prayer over, because remember the enemy is very confusing as well. So if there's something that we could pray about for more clarity on what is stuck in your life, what needs removing, and just just some direction. Lord God, I thank you that it doesn't matter um, what we're up against. It doesn't matter um, what the enemy throws at us, Lord. Because you came to pick a fight. You came to claim back what the enemy took. And Lord, you, cl- you came to, to refine, love, protect, and guide us, Lord. You have so much there for us. If we can only see all of you, the entirety of you, Lord, that, that you have so much. I just, Lord, I just pray that you will be working in people's hearts today, Father, Lord, that um, showing them the things they're up against, the things that aren't sitting right in their heart, the things that are refining them and it's hurting and it's hard, and the things that they need more help in, Lord, that they can see, oh, wait, this judge is my friend. This judge is my father. Or this friend of mine, I actually have a father there too. I'm not alone. Lord God, I just pray that that really rings home, that people start searching more of you, Father, but help us. But Lord, present yourself as a father, the friend and the judge, Lord. Present yourself in every way we need it, Lord. Convict their hearts as you did mine, Lord. Convict their hearts for the parts that aren't owned by you, the parts of our mind that are worshipping other things without us knowing it, God. I pray you'll stand in that place and say, we need to pick a fight here because that's not mine. That's not me. And Lord, it's too hard without knowing you completely. It's just too hard and we won't get there. So Lord, help us have salvation in our hearts and our minds now by knowing you completely. In your name we pray. Amen.